The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan, and attorney Ray Judice. Welcome back. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. My name is Tug Cowart. You're listening to Extra 106.3. We always start every show by asking, how do they get a hold of you, Bruce? Well, thanks, and great to be here today. Uh, it's Bruce at Hagen-Law.com. H-A-G-E-N hyphen law.com is the website. You can call me 404-522-7553. We're always on the phones. Available for you whenever you need us. We handle personal injury cases, but can uh, help you with whatever it is you need, at least to find the right person, even if you've been the victim of a Ponzi scheme. Uh-oh, which we'll get to in a moment. Ray, how do we get a hold of you? Yeah, Ray Judice, RayJudicheLaw.com, 404-964-4185. And one thing Bruce and I, each in our firms, bring to the table for our clients is that we go to court, hence the name of this show, Your Day in Court. But as I'm sitting here, Bruce was kind enough to bring me Look today's Fulton County Daily Report, which is our local legal magazine, where my law firm uh, reversed the Fulton County District Attorney's Office at the Court of Appeals, a very se- serious criminal constitutional law issue, LaGuyver versus the state. And so that's because we went into the courtroom with our satchel and we uh, cross-examined witnesses and put up evidence and made arguments on behalf of our clients. We fight for our clients. And there you that's go. how I that's met it. Bruce. I met him in a courthouse. Yeah. Didn't meet him at a bar. Didn't meet him at the golf club. I'm glad, Bruce, you brought up a Ponzi scheme because most people think Ponzi scheme. They think Bernie Madoff immediately, not anything going on in Marietta, Georgia. But indeed, there is an advisor named John J. Woods who is accused of persuading more than 400 investors in 20 states to trust him with their investments. He guaranteed 6 to 7% interest over two or three years, calling his fund the Horizon Private Equity. The problem is it was a Ponzi scheme, or that's at least what he's accused of. You know, you even see celebrities getting caught up with this, the Bernie Madoff thing. It had actors and actresses and ball players, and anybody can get caught up in this, and it appears it's happened right in our backyard. What do you know about stuff like this? Because this seems like a difficult thing to get your money back once you've lost it. Oh, yeah, and it, and it typically is uh, a local thing because, you know, it, somebody hears stories of somebody who is able to get folks good money, good return on their investments, and, and people line up, you know, with Madoff, people were begging him to take their money. Yeah. You know, Ber- Bernie's great magic was being able to uh, convince people that, you know, all right, I, I, you know, I'm done taking in any new money, but I'll make an exception for you. Give us your $50 million and we'll go ahead and get you in the fund. And people were begging him and thanking him just to, to yeah. allow him in. And that's how it is with these guys. There's a reason they're called con men. Mm-hmm. It's they gain your confidence. And, and so, you know, how does it happen? It always seems like you're reading these stories of smart people getting caught up in it. Well, okay, smart people who've made money and are just looking to get more. And so where do they turn? They turn to a guy they know from uh, their kid's Little League. Right, and, uh, and, and it turns out that this guy was right? working a, in the Little League. A guy they know from the country club that they play golf with. There, there have been uh, elaborate Ponzi schemes. I know uh, there was one guy at Ansley Golf Club who was just making the rounds, convincing people that he had, he had all this money, can get them huge return on investment, all of it being fabricated. So, so in this particular instance, you know, yeah, 
People were getting six, seven percent guaranteed returns, which didn't used to sound sexy in today's market. Uh, and, and you know, with with what you can be guaranteed, that sounds pretty pretty great. And folks were just lining up to give him money, and all he was doing was just take money, funneling it to somebody else. There was no substance behind it, and uh, it's a huge, huge scandal. Yeah, it goes back to the twenties. A guy by the name of Charles Ponzi created the first scheme, and what it counts on is me getting money from Bruce for investments, quote-unquote, which means me buying a new BMW and a boat and taking vacations. And then when it comes time to pay Bruce his 15% per quarter, I've got to get you to be the next sucker. Right. So I take your money, and I pay Bruce his VIG, his percentage for that month. I waste a little bit on myself and my, my girlfriends. <laughs> and then so it requires a never-ending lineup of new suckers, fresh blood, to pay off the older folks who eventually want their return on their investment. And as Bruce points out, it is almost always somebody who has, you know, wormed their way into the network, maybe mm-hmm. very slowly at first. And as he points out about um, our friend up there in New York, I mean, Madoff, what Madoff did, he made large charitable contributions within the Jewish communities, the Jewish charities and synagogues. So he would have the the credibility, the seal of approval of the rabbi who would introduce him to the doctor, who would introduce him to the lawyer. And even the Wilpons, very wealthy family, well-educated people who owned the New York Mets, got played for fools by Madoff. Yeah. Uh, now, a fair amount of that money was actually clawed back. Uh, Madoff stole so much, he couldn't spend it all. <laughs> right. But uh, but this fellow did what what is just tradition. You know, you get a local group, and then one person says, hey, man, I'm getting 18%. You guys are screwing around with your Charles Schwab broker. Lucky you get 4%. And it comes in the mail every two weeks, and then the next sucker plays in. So What, what happens in the instance that you fall prey to this? I mean, who do they call? I mean, do they call you and say, "Look, here's what happened. Can you can you help somebody in that situation?" Yeah, you know, th- this is a very um, regulated area of the law yeah, when the it comes, SEC, comes yeah. to anything having to do with investments, and so um, there are lawyers who specialize in exactly that sort of thing, um, both in terms of prosecuting and defending crimes, because it is such a specific area of the law. But you know, that's typically where these guys get tripped up: is that there's so much reporting, there's so much oversight. You know, anybody listening here who's ever opened up an account or transferred an account, you know, the, the amount of paperwork yeah. you sign is overwhelming, right? Yeah. If anybody's ever read it start to finish, uh, you know, I can't imagine that, that you do that. It, it, it's mind-numbing. How, mm-hmm. how, how much you're signing there, but you know you're signing away a lot of rights, and of course, who develops all the paperwork? The institutions that are uh, doing this. And buried in those documents, you give up your right to sue them. Mm-hmm. Frequently, sue. that's true. Yeah. That's right. And we talked about it in another show a few weeks ago. You give up your right to have a jury trial and to show that an investment company swindled you, unless it's a crime, and you have to go to mandatory forced arbitration which is generally selected by folks in the financial industry. So if you ever get to that paragraph and can find it in those papers that you sign, read it. So in in this instance, of course, there's both regulatory charges brought by the SEC against John Woods and his company, and then there are criminal charges that they're going to be facing separate from that. And so in the process of all that, there will be opportunities for restitution to go back to the folks who've been defrauded, that presumes that all the money's still there, right? right. So, you know, we know better. It just, it doesn't last. The money disappears and um, the, they might be able to sell off the elaborate uh, Buckhead mansion and get some money back. Maybe they find a boat or an airplane or something like that, but that money's just gone. And the, the folks who've been ripped off, you know, part of the issue here is that it's not really the um, uninitiated 
person off the street who's getting ripped off. It's folks who are considered to be sophisticated, knowledgeable investors. And, and you even sign a disclosure saying, I am aware of these things. I understand the risk. And I, and I willingly invest this money here, having thoroughly vetted and researched this uh, investment and myself. And that term, sophisticated investor, not only means that you've done some investments and you know you had a, a, a money a money market account and an IRA or a KEO, but it actually has a legal meaning. You're a sophisticated investor. You're supposed to know there's some assumption of the risk. Uh, I've got an investment account and my investment advisor, I come up with some brilliant idea and he says, we can't, we can't let you do that in this account. If you want to open up a high-risk account, you can go do that somewhere else, but we can't do that. And I'm, and they'll say, but I want to. I'm a sophisticated investor. He says, right. but we're not. That's not what we do. This, this is a different type of account. Yeah. So you, so you're enabled. You are allowed to go out and waste your money and make bad investments. Oh, sure. But the investment houses, they've got a lot of security to make sure that you can't come back and sue them for allowing you to waste your money. Uh, these Ponzi guys, you know, they they're all smooth. They always have. I, I'm always concerned about these investment bankers that have tans in the middle of the winter. It always concerns me. <laughs> right, when they like, went to the sun. You know, I, want my, I want my investment advisor to be pale white. Meaning he's been in yeah, his yeah, office doughy. chopping away. Inside, inside, with the only only the glow from the monitors is the only light he or she gets. <laughs> right. I want them looking healthy and vigorous. Bleary-eyed from doing yes, research all night long. Exactly. You know, the other thing, too, is that um, when it comes to trying to follow the money, um, a lot of times, um, unless the entire thing is a fabrication, which happens, folks will fabricate statements. Mm. They'll 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 make it look like money. Which been is what invested. Madoff did. Yes, exactly. But a lot of times, you know, there are legitimate uh, companies that get caught up in this, and uh, if there's an opportunity to get money back for defrauded investors here, it can come from a seemingly legitimate uh, investment firm that kind of turned a blind eye because oh. they were. Making a lot of money, you know. They're, they're, right. The money's coming in; it's running through through what appears to be a legitimate business, um, and they're not asking the questions that they need to be asking. They're not doing the oversight they're supposed to be doing because they're making money. They're taking their brokerage fees, and, and so you know, if, if there's an allegation in this case, and if it's proven that you know this one company that John Woods was affiliated with was not carefully monitoring Woods enough that they didn't do the proper vetting of his. Um, smaller companies from which he was getting money from individuals, putting it through the larger company, then the smaller investors may have an opportunity to get their money back from an ongoing, monolithic, enormous company out there that has the money to pay them back um, just for failing to catch this themselves. You know, the, the it shouldn't come from Joe Blow on the street saying, hey, you know, I didn't get my 6% this month. Really, this should be caught before it ever happens by the big firms who are the big money guys saying, this is wrong and we're not allowing this to happen. $110 million is basically what people are on the hook for. And whether it comes from, you know, like you said, some big firm that had some part or they sell off a mansion, that's still, I mean, it better be a really, really nice mansion or airplane or boat or something to get $110 million well, Part of the back. problem with that, too, is that if there's a pending criminal case, oh yeah, those assets have been seized as evidence. Oh, my goodness. The feds have got all those cars, the Maserati and the Maybach in a warehouse mm -hmm. or out in the Forsyth County parking lot where they rent it out to the feds, which is what happens in local areas. Uh, and so that's going to be, those assets can be tied up for years. No, oh, That Maserati's not worth so much eight, nine years from now when yeah. the criminal case and its appeal is finally yeah. over. Oh, my goodness. So it is a, it's a, you know, buyer beware. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. 
uh, you know, turn on Bloomberg, turn on CNBC, get the Wall Street Journal, and realize that aside from, you know, right now we're in a roaring bull market where it seems like there's some easy money being made, there's still plenty of risk. And if you buy Apple computing stock, well, at least you know there's you can go down and get a computer. You know, if they yeah. go broke, you know, else. there's there's a store there to check, kick the yeah. tires. No doubt about it. When we come back, we're going to talk about a lady named Elizabeth Holmes. She's going to trial. What is it for? I think you'll be surprised because she's like a female version of Steve Jobs with the turtleneck and all. We'll talk about it next on your day in court here on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. Welcome back to your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. My name is Tug Cowart. You're listening to Extra 1063. So this next story is is an interesting one because it's a woman who um, is like the female Steve Jobs, as, as Bruce has described her. Her name is Elizabeth Holmes. She is the founder of Theranos. Did I, did I pronounce it? Theranos. 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 And she faces 12 counts of fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud in this, this blood testing company that she started. And it was supposed to, as you told me, that you just get your finger pricked and it can test you for all kinds of things. But turns out, Maybe not the case. Yeah, and the Steve Jobs uh, similarity really just uh, was a, a, a physical appearance that she took on of trying to walk like Steve Jobs. She she artificially lowered her voice and, and would talk in a very deep, monotone voice and wore black turtlenecks, yeah, long sleeves. Like in this picture. In everything she did uh, and, and was the darling of Silicon Valley for years. Um, gave a brilliant TED talk uh, that that went viral, and you know it, it was a classic example of this seemingly no lose company with brilliant new technology, um, and yet it's a it's it's a better example of the fake it till you make it mentality that Silicon Valley seems to have, where it's like you don't have to have anything real. Ray was just talking earlier about you know you invest in Apple, you can go down and see an Apple store, and you mm-hmm. see an Apple computer, and you hold an Apple phone in your hand. Everybody else seems to be like, let's just act as though we have something great uh, until maybe we do. And, and, and we'll get investors and we'll get money and, and maybe that will allow us to really follow through and make something great. So Theranos claimed to have this uh, product and system that would revolutionize the way we do blood tests across the board for all kinds of things in blood testing that required nothing more than a finger prick as opposed to the vials and vials of blood required to really do uh, testing. And, you know, they were revolutionizing medicine 
through their technology, raised hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in the process of this, both, both through her efforts and the efforts of her partner, um, who is a, another just brilliant technology-oriented guy. Um, and, you know, in, in the course of all this, seemingly had this great company. Sonny Balwani is the guy's name. Um, and yet, you know, you come to find out that this whole thing is just a house of cards and there's really nothing behind it. There's certainly no numbers that they're projecting, you know, in the billions of sales. Uh, and the whole thing's a fraud. Yeah, and, and it's almost a, another version of the Ponzi scheme that we just, mm, just spoke about. Good point, yeah. Uh, the difference is that these are really sophisticated investors. Uh, these are uh, folks, uh, whether it's uh, funds, mutual funds investors, uh, wealth management people, that say, wait a second, this is breakthrough technology. We want to be on the ground floor. We want to be part owners. There's hundreds of million dollars being wired into accounts. No product is ever generated. In fact, uh, it's determined that they just don't know what they're doing. I mean, mm. it, it really was fraud. Uh, now, there are companies right now, investment vehicles called SPACs. And what a SPAC is, and this has become very popular over the last six months, is you take a famous world known investment broker or banker and he says i want to raise a hundred million dollars i don't know what i'm going to use it for you just have to trust me that i'm going to find the next great thing that sounds like a terrible plan it's it's turning out to be a very bad plan a lot of people asking for their money back yeah but also what it can become is a very quick high flying plan I'm, i'm familiar with one uh that had gone you know they had a the spac it is is a public company, right? It, it has a stock price, even though there's nothing to it. It's basically we're just a shell waiting to find something to buy. Well, this one company bought into another company, and the stock price went from like ten to eighty in a period of maybe three weeks. You know, and and so if you were in it and you happened to gamble and 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 hit it at the right time, great. Well, that eighty quickly came down. Back below ten to five, you know, it's like if you right. if you didn't, and of course the lawsuits started then. Sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, you're right, and and it's almost like people are just willing to throw money at anything here in in this market, thinking that you can't lose, which as we know is definitely not the case. There's this what's called the fear of being left behind. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I don't know that I that I struggle with that. One. Maybe <laughs> I don't have enough money to struggle with it. Maybe that's part of it. But but you're right. People are they're looking for the next big and, thing. And, well, and look, I think, look, look at I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah, I mean just look at cryptocurrency. Oh yeah. I mean, talk about something where nobody knows what it is or how it works or what it's based on. And you know, we've seen over the last couple of years just these wild fluctuations in in value. Right. Yeah. And and what happens is we've all heard about whether it's a rumor or not, you know, our neighbor down the street and you some wonder why are they doing so well and wearing wearing nice clothes and driving fancy cars and they just put in that pool in the backyard. Well, they they bought in some stock at $2 as Bruce said and went to 175 and then it split. And you're like, well, wait a second. That guy's no smarter than me. In fact, he's a lot dumber than me. Mm-hmm. And if he can do it, why can't I? You yeah. know. So let's and get then on. They're actively looking for something to invest. Trying in. to make something happen. And then the the predators, whether it's our Ponzi schemer from story number one or this lady, they prey on the suckers. The suckers who want to turn a dollar into five dollars overnight, and also. Be that guy at the country club with his feet up on the table, smoking a big cigar, saying, yep, yep, I got into AOL back in the day, you know? Well, a friend of mine, and I can't remember if I've told you guys this or not, he was working in Seattle, and it's been, you know, 25 years ago, 
and these these folks from the business department when they were putting together 401ks and all that sort of stuff they gave them the offer to invest in this little online book company and he <laughs> right. turned it down he was like ah, it's an online right. book company i just don't know about this turns out it's, it's amazon, amazon. Right. and then it grows and grows and he and he often looks back and was like what if Right. What if I'd invested that, you know, two grand or twenty five hundred dollars or or whatever the investment, which makes was. him more susceptible potentially, you would think, to, to a sucker play. Yeah, right. But right. but this trial is going to be fascinating. This is a, tri- a a lawyer's trial. It's one that we're all going to watch. You know, this is going to have high priced, high quality, totally prepared lawyers, both for the prosecution and the defense. No, nothing's going to be spared. Uh, everything will be appealed and argued to the maximum. She may make a fantastic witness. Now, one of the things that Bruce was was getting at is that she is clearly, I want, I don't want to say a manipulator, but she's manipulative. She may wind up being too smart for the jury in a sense of overplaying her cards. Uh-huh. But she somehow managed a whole lot of smart people to give her a whole lot of money, and she may be able to convince the jury that a she was played for a fool by the partner. Or that, hey, we're still working on it. This is fantastic technology. Just let me get back to my laboratory and finish the job. <laughs> she, she's obviously a dynamic personality right. uh, to be able to accomplish what she right, accomplished right. here. Um, Ray, what do you think about the um, decision that they made to split up the um, the trial and have the two primary defendants um, tried separately? And, and, you know, what challenges that presents um, and why they would even... Uh, I, I can see why the defense would do that, um, but why a judge would order that that should be how this case gets tried. Well, there may be some evidentiary reasons as to testimony that is either hearsay or requires one defendant to give up his or her rights of uh, of their Fifth Amendment rights, or in other words, place them in a unique juxtaposition where they, under the Constitution, they don't have to testify, but because the, the dynamics of the trial, they have no other choice but to do so. Uh, it, it also creates some problems. You could have inconsistent verdicts where one jury finds one way and the other jury on almost the exact same evidence finds a different outcome uh, that would be almost automatically appealable. And then the second trial is going to have the benefit of the evidence and the witnesses and the cross-examinations and the government's argument from the first trial. Now, they may also be looking to get one defendant to turn on the other. This really wouldn't oh. be the in part of the judge and should not have been part of the judge's uh, decision, but from the prosecution standpoint, especially federal prosecutors, they like to pick you apart. You know, put the first person up on trial and get number two to roll, or vice versa, get first person to roll on number two, and that's very common in federal prosecutions. Yeah. But what's happening now is is that um, Ms. Holmes is claiming that for years, um, and because she was in a personal relationship with Mr. Bawani as well as a business relationship, but that he exerted a level of control over her and, that and was a, coercive control right, and, and, and abuse at some level. Um, so, and, and so they're setting up that he's right. the bad guy who manipulated me. And here's the problem. Here I am. She's portrayed herself as the next Steve Jobs. I'm Superwoman. Right. I've split the atom and, uh, you know, and solves, solve world crime and world hunger. But this guy is, uh, he's forced me to do all this. Sure. And he's the, really the bad yeah. guy. So that's, that's a real, pro- that that's is a tough. difficult argument. Yeah. And uh, the other argument that she's going to have and, and, you know, with the separated trials, it leaves 
the opportunity here is that, you know, she says, well, I'm the business person here. He's the technology mm-hmm. person. And, you know, I don't have the ability to really delve into the technology to see, does it actually work? I'm relying on my partner right. telling me, this is the greatest technology. Go make a business out of it. You know, and we'll do this together. And she's so def- I'm deceived here as much as anybody. Yeah, she's yeah. the front of the store. He's the back of yeah. the store. And, you know, he's got this coercive level of control over me. He's like some Svengali and right, uh, I'm incapable despite my multiple degrees and, <laughs> you know, great public speaking right. style. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm as much a victim here as anybody. Um, and, and, you know, on the flip side, he's got the same thing th- that, that he can say. We told her this stuff wasn't ready. We told her this stuff would never work. She said, forget about it. You know, Wall Street doesn't care. Silicon Valley doesn't care. We're getting the horses in front of the cart. Yeah. And we're gonna, I mean, you'll th- catch up. This, this, is, this is how we do it. Let's get the money. And then that'll give you um, the, the tinder you need to start the fire under the technology. Now, now, if that was presented to the investors, as really as these SPACs are now being presented to potential investors, which is, look, we think we've got this blood testing product that's going to revolutionize. We, we're working on the science, but we need the money to fund the research. Okay, So if that was the proposal, that's probably legal. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really betting on the come as an investor. I'm like, I'm not in just investing in a product. I'm, I'm ahead of the curve. I'm, I'm getting down to the nitty gritty with the science and the technology. I'm on the ground floor of this operation. But I don't think that's what was going on. It was really uh, the package was apparently ready to go. She had signed deals with large, I think it was Walmart or Kmart. I mean, and they were investors, too, because they wanted to be in on the sure. ground floor. So you talk about sophisticated investors. Right. Uh, if you look at the list of folks that were swindled in this case or allegedly swindled, you say, wait a second. These are people that I would give my money to. You know, right. the, the Walton family has turned a, a little bit of money They've into a whole okay. lot of money. They They've don't make okay. a lot of bad decisions. And, and, and you know, they, they wouldn't be alone here of um, having other folks who say, hey, look, Wait, Walmart's invested here? Mm-hmm. Those guys do their research. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do my research because they're already in it. They they don't yeah. they don't do this haphazardly. Or it could be anybody. Berkshire Hathaway's yeah. putting <laughs> whatever money into big this. name. Whatever big name suddenly gives credence to everything else. Uh, and there's a lot to that, you know. And so and so um, that is definitely a defense that you, that they're both going to have here. They, that, then she can argue you investors didn't rely on me. You relied on Warren Buffett buying a piece of my business, mm-hmm. you know, and, and don't don't blame me for that just because you you followed Uncle Warren. You know, he's right. he owns some candy shops and newspapers, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he's not a hundred. He's not batting a thousand. <laughs> the, the, the weirdest thing here, too, Close, that seen, look, th- this is a trial that's going to take probably three, four months, maybe longer to get through. I mean, it, it, it's Ray, Ray's not kidding when he said, like, yeah, this is one that lawyers will be watching and it'll be all over the media because there was a great special about Theranos and, you know, her fall from grace. Um but yeah, this this is one where certainly you know the the defense of the sophisticated investor is going to come up. But really, the weirdest thing about it is that is, is this idea of this is just how things are done in Silicon Valley, and and everybody knows you know do they really? But the defense being everybody knows we exaggerate, we we talk a big game, and maybe there's nothing to it, but that's the way this business works. That's that's part of this defense here, and to me, that's just uh, berserk. And the and the fact that the investors. Wanted to get rich. Yeah, they they didn't yeah. invest in this for the you know the, the good of society. <laughs> they invested right. to get rich, right? And they thought they had an opportunity to turn a buck into to many times that. So so they were the victim of their own greed. Now I don't like maybe the word isn't greed, but their own 
over appraisal, self-interest of their own skill set in picking the right investments. And, and there have been other cases of companies and, and the founders of companies that have oversold uh, what they really had as a product. And, and you know, we see this all the time. Like, why is this stock going way up? They they haven't earned a penny, you know, and, and companies that... You Back know, to cryptocurrency, because that's another one. Sure. I mean, but, maybe not the ex on the same plane, but but the fact that you just don't know why it's going up so sure, astronomically. But, but there have been CEOs who've gotten into a lot of trouble who have had tremendous fast rises to, to vast treasures of money that they've then lost all of it because of, uh, you know, the, the improper way in which they raise money and pumped up their company, like uh, the guy who founded Uber, uh, Travis Kalanick, uh, the guy who founded WeWorks, which is, you know, in every... Uh, it, it's sort of the new way to do office space, right? Mm -hmm. is, is we work kind of like spaces down below us, right? Kind of like that, and 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 yet you know pumping it up, pumping it up, and and nothing behind it, you mm -hmm. know. And so this this sort of fraud on the market has happened before, but none of those guys have gone to jail. Mm -hmm. and, and you know this case is interesting because there's you know she's facing twenty years behind bars if this, if she's convicted on this. Goodness gracious! Now her lawyers are asking uh, and and have repeatedly to delay the trial. They've uh, sought to have evidence excluded and witness blocked, and they've argued over uh, the details of court, according to the New York Times. You know, um, that's that seems to be one of those things that doesn't surprise me that they're trying to push it right because they want to have as much time to prepare for this as, as they possibly can. Or am I missing something? Well, Tug, as you and I uh, co-host a show called Legal Maneuvers, yeah. uh, these are legal maneuvers. Yeah. Now, the covid was a problem for many months in the court system. Uh, then she got pregnant and had a baby, and uh, apparently the baby is healthy and all that is going well. Good for her. Good Congratulations. News. So now they're ready for trial. The judge is going to have evidence three days a week and let the jury go home at about 2, 2.30. Uh, he says it's to fight jury fatigue. I'm not really so sure that's a good way to go about it, but I'm not running his courtroom. Sure. Uh, there's probably going to be a lot of uh, financial evidence uh, produced. It's going to be, I wouldn't say difficult for jurors to follow, but it requires attention span. Uh, Which I've, most of people don't have. I have been trying jury trial cases since 1985, and I would say the biggest difference that I've seen is that we are now in short attention span theater, and as a lawyer, you need to get to the nub of it, as they say in South Georgia, mm -hmm. get to the bottom line That's of right. your evidence. There's a very, very successful plaintiff's lawyer in Metro Atlanta. Bruce knows him as well. And he has a great opening statement. He has he has boxes and boxes and boxes of evidence in, in the courtroom. And he says, but this is only going to take two days because I have selected from all these boxes of evidence only the best witnesses, the best medical doctors. I want to give you the best evidence you can in the shortest amount of time so you can go render a verdict for my client. And apparently the jurors really love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they so do. And, and, and the Get idea me like, out of here. Hey, look, you know, these guys have all the same paper, too. If they if they want to drag this out longer, they can. Uh, but there's no reason to. And I'm not going to waste your time like that. But there used to be a theory many years ago is exactly the opposite. Let's try to make a small case into a big case and drag it out and call redundant repetitive witnesses and put up the same just photograph. Just wear people down? Just, just won't. Well, sooner or later, the jury says, well, this must be a big case. We're in week uh, two. Did you see it. how many photographs he brought in? Well, yeah. you know, one of them was relevant. The other 97 were, right. were the same photo from different Baffle angles. them with BS, yeah, essentially. Yeah, it's a big case. You know, three-piece suit. 
yeah. cufflinks, you know? Yeah, but who, you know, who's got the attention span to watch more than a, a three-minute video now, no right? You know, right. It's, it's, it just doesn't no happen, let alone read an actual article as opposed to just a headline. And so you better make your points fast. You better um, repeat them and, and, you know, make it very easily digestible for a jury. And especially if you're talking about financial matters that, you know, you, people's eyes are just going to glaze over hearing all this. Um, but, you know, th- this case has a lot of salacious details, and she herself is such a polarizing character that, that you know, she's going to be at the heart of it whether she testifies Twelve or not. jurors, that means there's 24 eyes on her through the whole trial. Mm-hmm. What is she wearing? Every How is she moving? Is she drinking water? Is she wearing lipstick? Does she have pearls? I mean, and, and that will be part of her defense team. They will have somebody whose job it is to pick the right colors for her, to make her look not too glamorous, not too sexy, not too smart. Like they want her to be the, the soccer mom next door. You know, as I, I tell my clients when we go to trial, this is a Timex moment, not a Rolex mm-hmm. moment. I've heard that before. Yep. Leave leave the jewel, the bling at home. Don't wear the six inch stilettos. You know, leave the $800 watch at home. Low key. If you got a blue Brooks Brothers suit that you bought for <laughs> your first communion, wear that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. So what what about the lawyer that, that's representing her? I can't remember if we got into that because we were talking about that off the air, how how this is a pretty impressive guy that she's hired. Yeah, a former federal prosecutor, a white-collar crime, and that's very common. And I don't blame them at all. I'm a former prosecutor. I did it for a couple of years in DeKalb County. You get in there, you try your jury trials, you get a lot of experience in a, in a very condensed period of time. And you look around at all the plaintiff's lawyers and the uh, criminal defense lawyers wearing uh, fancy watches and cufflinks and, <laughs> and four hundred, you know, four thousand dollars suits. Going and say, the exact opposite. Hey, I think way. I like a little that too. So it's not uncommon. Uh, it's totally ethical and professional. But what happens when you take a former federal prosecutor who did, who prosecuted this exact type of crime, white collar crime, financial crimes, and then they flip to the to the dark side, as uh, some people hmm, say it? Right. They know all the ins and outs, man. Mm-hmm. They know where where how the prosecution is going to attack the case. They know the backgrounds of all the special agents, and that's what the FBI and securities and stock exchange folks are all called special agents because they're, I hate to say it, but let me, let me give you the uh, profile of your typical FBI agent. Um, Mr. FBI agent Hagen, would you please take the stand? Can you tell me a little bit about your education? Yes, I have an undergraduate degree in English from Brown University. I then went to Harvard where I specialized in blah, blah, blah. I spent a summer at the London School of Economics. I'm an 82nd Airborne <laughs> parachuter. Yeah, right. I'm a Veteran, marksman. Yeah. And then you're like, well, how do I compete with yeah, that? And you're like, well, let me ask you about this case. <laughs> you know, exactly. The jurors like, we want they're our wild. daughters to marry this yeah, guy, you know, right. and it's true, and they're very impressive. It goes back to Herbert Hoover when he ran the FBI. Back then, you had to be either have an MBA or a law degree to be an FBI agent, and that tradition of very skilled, very highly educated folks, it's, it's, it's morphed out to include military background, educational background, and life experiences. So this former prosecutor, now criminal defense lawyer, knows how that game is played. Yeah, it's yep. uh, it, it's not surprising that she would have the money to to hire somebody. Oh, somebody's money, or somebody's <laughs> money. Yes, that's, and, that's and, a good point. And they've been they've been no doubt doing focus groups mm-hmm. to to try to see how different themes of their Bruce, defense. Let's talk work. about that for a minute. You're yeah, yeah. Focus so, so, so you you 
put a feeler out to the community, and there are very sophisticated ways to do this where you really try to anticipate what's the what's, what's the makeup of a jury likely to be in this jurisdiction where the case is being tried, and let's replicate that as best we can. So let's try to get a cross-section of the community that's going to match who will show up on on the day of the trial, and then just run different things by them, and you try to run it you know, run these theories and themes of your case by the focus group in a very uh, objective manner, not being argumentative, but in a manner intended to encourage conversation because you need to know and want to know what themes register. What are they, what are folks looking for? What, what do they believe and not believe? Um, and, and from that, all right, which type of jurors, what demographic of juror really is more willing to accept the, you know, what we're selling than is willing to reject it out of hand. You know, is it somebody who is more conservative, more affluent, more of a blue collar person, educated, not educated? You know, how, how do we try to hone in on our ideal juror? And then we see what can we do to try to keep those folks on the 12 who finally make it, which is a whole different challenge. And it, and it branches out to age, race, uh, cultural background, educational background. You know, we, we don't necessarily want fair fair jurors. I just want jurors that are fair to me. Right, okay? exactly. And, and it can be done a little bit differently. I was involved in one, uh, we called it a focus group. It was really a mock trial that we did about a year ago on a very serious criminal case with a co-counsel and uh, spent, you know, 12 hours at lunch catered and, and the jurors really got into it and we condensed the arguments. We had someone come in and play the prosecutor and then they had two hours to deliberate and that's really where we got our money's worth. Uh, because, as Bruce said, we saw what themes were immediately rejected. I mean, that's one of the, mm. one of the worst things about a, being a trial lawyer is uh, after the verdict comes back, you get an opportunity. Generally, the judge will say you can talk to the jurors and ladies and gentlemen, jury. You don't have to, but you can talk to the lawyers. Well, and hang on, because during the trial, the judge is always very specific. Mm -hmm. You may not talk to the Can't say hi in the elevator. Mm -hmm. and, and, and lawyers and, and, and parties do not look at the jurors, do not say anything to them. If you pass them in the hallway, ignore them. And, and jurors, same goes for you. Don't say anything to them. Right. Yeah. So now you're talking to the jury, and maybe they rendered a verdict for you or against you. It doesn't matter. But you want to talk about what was your theme, your major theme. And they're like, nah, we didn't think much about that. <laughs> right. but, but boy, that what Hagen brought in, that yeah. that old bottle cap that yeah. he found that, you know. There's yeah. always, there's <laughs> always like, something. Like a Scooby-Doo moment almost. You, bang your head you start talking the to the jurors afterwards, and there's always something that comes up that nobody on either side had anticipated mattering mm. to a single soul. Right. And yet there will be some jurors who's like, to them, that made the difference in everything. And that's both the beauty and the terror of picking a jury. There the you beauty go. is you've got 12 people, 24 sets of eyes, 24 ears, hearing and seeing things through the prism of their lifetime of experiences, good or bad, mixed, their educational background, their biases, which you've got to sort them out and try to identify them in the mock jury or in the focus group, and uh, and either, either use those biases and educational backgrounds and demographics to your advantage or at least be prepared to deal with them when they come out. This is why if you're in a legal situation, you need to reach out to Bruce Hagan or Rage with a J. Because they can tell you these things and get you in a position to uh, to to have a positive legal outcome. And uh, we'll introduce you to them more and how you get a hold of them next here on Extra 106.3. This is your day in court. 
The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. Welcome back. It is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. My name is Todd Coward. You're listening to Extra 1063. You know, the other night I, I saw a great ad and it was this cartoon general driving down the street and there was a man that i recognized that used to record a podcast in this building (laughs) by the name of shaquille o'neal and he was hawking insurance and i imagine that people like shaquille o'neal and they probably because of that thought well wonder if i could save a little bit on my insurance went to their website and said you know what geez they are quite a bit cheaper than my big named auto insurance but is it a good idea to make that decision at, you know, maybe two in the morning. Well, here's the thing that I see is over the years, folks have been buying homeowners and automobile insurance online. And all that computer is doing is finding you the cheapest coverage. It's not explaining the coverages to you. It's not explaining to you why you might want a, a 100,000 slash $300,000 liability policy in case you are distracted and rear end somebody and cause them great harm or why you should get the minimum, the 2550 policy, so that you can get that little tag sticker, you know, at the bo- at the back of your car. Uh, used to be everyone had an insurance agent. You had your daddy's insurance agent or somebody through the church or the synagogue or the PTA. And, of course, that agent was going to make a little commission on what he or she sold you, and maybe there was a little incentive to sell you a healthier policy. But nonetheless, you at least got the options spread out on the table. Why do I want a million-dollar umbrella on my house when, when that's costing me $87 a month? What do I need that for? Well, you know what? It's really easy in, in today's world to cause a million-dollar injury. Yeah, and there's a type of coverage that Ray and I would tell you is the most important thing for every single person to have. That's called uninsured motorist coverage. It's also underinsured motorist coverage. First of all, there are a lot of folks riding around now who don't have insurance Uh, they may have had it to get their car tag, but they stopped paying, Um, or they just don't have enough insurance to cover it. If you have the sort of injury that's going to keep you out of work for a month or require you to have any kind of surgery or spend any time in the hospital, the chances of you going beyond the minimum limits policy that the other driver is likely to have are, are almost certain, right? And so you can't control how much insurance the other driver has who hits you, but you can control what you have. And and it's really as simple as this. However much liability insurance you purchase, liability insurance is something that says, if I cause a crash, how much insurance coverage is there um, 
to protect my assets and pay anybody who's harmed by my negligence. Well, however much liability insurance I get, I can have an equal amount of uninsured motorist coverage. And you should, number one, get as much liability coverage as you can afford, and then get every last dollar of uninsured motorist coverage because it is the most important thing. It follows you wherever you go. You could be out of the car, walking as a pedestrian, getting hit on a bicycle. It's going to follow you and anybody who's in your car. Mm -hmm. And there's two types of uninsured motorist coverage. That's right. There's what's called add-on and set-off. What I find amongst my clients that ask me about this is, well, why should I cover this bum who's either got no insurance because he's got three (laughs) DUIs or he's got the minimum policy because he's a 19-year-old kid driving a 12-year-old car. Why should I insure him through my policy? Mm. Well, what are you going to do? We're going to sue this kid and get a judgment against him, and he either files bankruptcy or moves to Mexico and is a surfer dude now? (laughs) No, you need your own coverage, okay? You pay an extra premium. Percentage-wise, it's extremely inexpensive to get this UM. U slash M, as Bruce says, means both underinsured and uninsured, kind of two meanings. It stacks in some companies, so you can have a resident relative. If you've got your uh, your mother-in-law living with you and she's got a million-dollar UM policy with USAA, a great company, and you get hit by an uninsured driver, her policy as a resident relative stacks on top of yours. But what people are doing now, and this is a terrible trend, they're getting what's called set-off instead of add-on. Okay, so what does that mean? Somebody rear-ends me, and I've got a herniated disc, L4, L5, and I need a fusion, and that's going to cost $80,000, going to be out of work for five months. Okay, so I've got a good case. I've got a, I need compensation, man. I've got to pay the mortgage, right? Well, the kid that hit me has got a $25,000 policy, and that insurance company tenders it to me immediately. Here's our money. Take Here's it. Here's your twenty five grand. Well, now I turn to my UM policy with a good company, and I've got what's called add-on. So I've got $100,000 in add-on UM. So I now have the $25,000 policy of liability coverage from the kid that hit me and $100,000 from my company, okay? So that's $125,000. Maybe that's not enough compensation, but, you know, at least, at, it gets, least. at least it pays the bills. And by the way, as Bruce will attest, these type of settlements are tax-free because they're compensation, not income. They're income to the lawyer who takes their percentage. All right, now what people are doing, though, is they're getting what's called set-off. Same hypothetical. Rear-ended, bad injuries, $25,000 liability policy that's tendered to me. I turn to my company and say, yeah, you've got 100000 in UM, underinsured, but you did set-off, so now it's only seventy-five. Right, and why are they getting the set-off? Because there's nobody to explain it to them, the difference really between one or the other, and all they see is that, oh, this one's $100 less, I'll get the one that costs less. Yeah, of course. You know, and, and so, look... If Shaq told me to buy something, I'm going to buy it, right? I, 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 Especially I like, if it's a big old pizza. I like Salon Pass. I yeah. like his pizza. You know, I mean, Sha- Shaq will do any product. He's, he's, he's all over the place. But, but when it comes to the particular insurance company that uh, he endorses, they write the worst policies out there. They only do minimum limits coverage. They insure the worst drivers on the road because they'll insure anybody. And they do it cheaply because they know that, A, we're insuring the worst people. We're only doing the minimum limits policy. If they cause a major screw up, which they will, 
we pay our 25 and, and, we walk get, away. and we walk away. And so if you're listening to this and you are not immediately looking at your insurance policy to see how much uninsured motorist coverage do I have, what can I do to get more, you're making an enormous mistake, taking a huge risk for you and your entire family because it's the only way you can protect yourself uh, you know, adequately and know that if something happens to me, there's coverage here. Let me just say one other thing. If you have an umbrella policy, Ray mentioned that before, uh, an umbrella policy says that this is an excess liability policy. So let's say I, you know, I, I make a mistake behind the wheel and I, and I knock a busload of visiting cardiac surgeons off of a bridge and they all get killed. Oh my. You know, th- there's this big policy here, the umbrella policy, to cover a massive loss like that, right? Well, under an umbrella policy, you can also get uninsured motorist coverage under there. What do you have to do? You just have to ask for it. It doesn't cost much because it's very unlikely that you're going to have a claim that big, and yet it's the one thing that protects you from catastrophic type of loss, the difference between filing bankruptcy or the difference between having something there, a fund from which to recover to be able to take care of yourself and your family if something bad happens Like to if you. you're with a regular agent, you know, an Allstate or a State Farm or, you know, just somebody that's, you know, very reputable, are they going to steer you toward that? They're not, and, and they're not going to do it for several reasons, one of which is, especially with the uh, captive agents, that their annual bonus structure is partly determined by the claims history of the people to whom they're selling policies. And, and, and you know, there's another really good and important type of coverage called medical payments coverage or med pay. And it's a classic example. It costs almost nothing to get med pay. Um, if you have it, it'll pay your medical expenses. Doesn't matter if you have health insurance. There's no copay. There's no deductible. It just pays it outright, and it's a huge win for you if you have it. It's a win for everybody who has Even it. Even if you have health insurance, yeah. everybody's got usually a copay and a deductible. Well, MedPay can step into that gap. You can also use that MedPay coverage if you're in an HMO or a PPO that sort of directs you to certain medical providers, mm-hmm. you can take that MedPay. If you've got, let's say, 10000 in MedPay, you could get your own doctor. And it costs, it costs next to nothing to get it. There's no downside. It's only helpful. Uh, there's no downside whatsoever. Yeah. But the agents who sold you that policy, if you're making a claim on your medical payments coverage, it dings them for their ah, annual bonus. And so that's why they, they don't necessarily— Or they don't bring it up. I mean, they should, and, and the ones who are exercising good conscience and really care about their customers yeah. will, uh, because they know in the long run taking care of your customers makes sense. But but the ones who are saying, hey, I just I just want to sell this policy. I really don't care if you're getting the coverage you need. They're not going to bring it up at all. Goodness gracious. This is the kind of information that you get here on Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. If you have legal questions that you need the answer to, if they can't help you, they'll find someone who can or steer you to someone who can. Bruce, how do we get a hold of you if we need you? It's uh, Bruce at Hagen-Law.com. You can call me at 404-522-7553. When we do our initial interview, I'm going to ask you, how much uninsured motorist coverage do you have? (laughs) Do you have medical payments coverage? How much? Help yourselves. Help yourselves now before you need it because once you've been in the wreck, once you're injured, it's too late late at that point. I'd be happy to look at anybody's deck sheet, your declarations page. You can take a picture of it and text it to me. Okay. I'm I'm not an insurance agent. But I may either steer you to somebody or say, look, there's some glaring defects in your policy based on my experience of folks coming to me and say, Mr. Juche, what are we going to do? And I'm going to, well, <laughs> I don't know. I can't help you because yeah. you didn't buy enough insurance. I'm not trying to sell insurance. 
I'm just trying to get folks insured. But you can call me, Ray Judice, 404-964-4185. Come by the office, have a cup of coffee. There you go. Or RayGlaw.com is easy to get a hold of him. He doesn't golf. He doesn't fish. He doesn't have hobbies. He works. That's what he does. And he'll be there for you just as uh, the same way that Bruce will as well. I do golf. Yeah, right. Okay. All right. So (laughs) you do have one hobby other than working. You've been listening to Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice here on Extra 106.3. Make it a great weekend. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.